For those who uh, may have wondered, yes, I am still a pastor here. <laughs> Since I was up here last, Pastor Shane has spoken twice, Pastor Ben has spoken twice, Pastor Mark has spoken twice, and Bobby Cato has spoken once. And I, I didn't retire. But I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's awesome that we have so many people who can... Uh, and it's just the way that, it's just kind of the way the schedule worked uh, for the last uh, two months. Uh, uh, but these guys are these guys are amazing, and I've been blessed by their messages. I've been challenged by their messages. Uh, somebody in the room used to joke that I only worked one day a week, and now now he was joking that I only work one day a month. <laughs> Uh, if only. <laughs> uh, you know, some of these songs and this message that we had about surrender today uh, just goes with this message. Every, everything about, uh, about this, uh, that you may know him better. Everything, that, everything he does in us, every work he does in us is for us to know him better. And... Uh, this message actually, uh, Lord speaks messages to me all the time, and so May fifteenth is when this message uh, kind of landed on my heart, and then I wasn't on the schedule, so <laughs> so it's been it's been stirring as are several others, uh, but the passage here we're going to read is from Ephesians, and uh, you know the book of Ephesians is is a uh, is an interesting book in that Paul's entire letter to the church here at Ephesus was given for just followers of Jesus. They might understand better the dimensions of God's provision, the dimensions of his work in us, his purpose, his grace, and then just to, pre- to appreciate the goals that he has for us as his children. And so, uh, so as we begin this message, I'm gonna, I'll read this passage and I've got a, just a couple questions to, uh, to throw at you. And uh, if you're if you're a note taker, write them down and and uh, and consider your answers to them this week. Uh, but this passage is Ephesians, and Paul, this is Paul praying. This is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus, and he just says this simply: I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know Him better, that you may know Him better. The whole the whole goal of his prayer is for you to have wisdom and for you to have revelation so that you know Jesus better, so you know the Father better, so you know Him better. And there's a, there's a plea here. There's a plea here, an impassioned plea here from Paul saying, I keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking. And, and so that tells me that there's an ongoing desire there that, that not one of us can ever say, I know God completely, I know everything about Him. But his desire is that we know him better, and, and he's, he's praying specifically for wisdom and revelation, and we're going to break that down a little bit. But there's a persistence here, and it's noteworthy. He's, specific, he's specifically praying for this people of Ephesus, the Ephesian church, that they'd receive this wisdom and revelation for one purpose only, to know God better, to know God better. So my questions for you as we get started is, What's happening with you in your relationship with Jesus? What's happening in your walk with him today? If someone were to ask you, in what ways are you getting to know him better, what would you say? If someone were to come up to you today, and hopefully somebody will. Hopefully somebody will actually take this assignment and challenge one another with it. To say, how are you getting to know Jesus better? How are you getting to know God better? Because that's his desire for us. For us to know him better, know what he, what's he require of us? What's he asking of us? And then, in what ways is that happening? Write them down. Write them down. And if you and if you don't have anything to write down, if you don't have an answer to that, ask yourself, why, why is that? Why am I? What, what's missing? What's missing from the equation that I'm not getting to know God better? 
And that's not to put a guilt trip on anybody. That's not to make anybody, put any weight on anybody's shoulders that you can't carry. It's to challenge us. Because everything he wants to do is to mold us and shape us into his likeness that we know him better. So consider those questions as we get into this lesson. How am I getting to know God better? My inclination is that there may be a trial involved. There may be a trial involved. A lot of times we maybe don't get to know him better when we're on the mountaintop and everything's going well. Not that we can't. We can get to know how the goodness of God in the middle of great things that are going on as well. But a lot of times if there's a trial involved, it teaches us why we need a Savior. So we're going to break this down, a couple things in this passage, specifically about wisdom and revelation. We're going to start with wisdom. So in Colossians, here's Paul again, and you'll, you'll see in this passage, again, some impassioned words here. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And as, and as we're getting into this, I've mentioned twice about the passion in Paul's words here, how he's praying for you. I keep praying, and here he's saying, I'm contending for you. And I want you to, I want you to consider before we even get into the meat of this, who are you asking for on behalf of somebody else? Who are who do you keep asking God about that he might touch them? Who are you contending for? Because this is a, limited to Paul's assignment. So he says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that may, they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm you are in your faith. And so we see in this passage that Paul's again contending for them, but this whole idea, he tells us several things that, about what his goal is and why he's contending for them, that they may incur, be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that's one of his goals right then, there, right there. It's one of my prayers for this body always, that you may be encouraged and you might be in, united in love. Why? He tells us why. So that you may have the full riches of complete understanding. And as you gain that, he says, so that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. He wants you to know Christ. Because when you know Christ, in him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Paul's earlier prayer, he's praying that they have wisdom so that they can know Jesus. And here he's saying, I want you to know Jesus so that you have more wisdom. And it sounds like it's contradictory, but basically, no, he's saying, see, the more you know Jesus, the more wisdom, the have more wisdom you have, the more you'll know Jesus, and, the more, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And that cycle just continues. And I love that he kind of ends this particular passage, and I delight in seeing how disciplined you are, how firm in your faith. He's acknowledging that, hey, I'm seeing good things. And I will declare that right here. I acknowledge in this body that I see great things happening. I love when these young people are up here and they're, and they're just passionate about Jesus. They're passionate about Jesus. We were talking, uh, we were talking uh, in, in Men of Valor this past week and then uh, again this weekend on our, on our men's outing, just a bit the word legacy came up and... And just, uh, you know, what, 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 are, what do we leave behind? What do we pass on to those who come, come after us? And, man, I look at, the, I look at this, this body. And, again, I haven't been up here for eight weeks. This is my, and, and I look at these, these our, our pastors that, are, that, have, that have filled in, these young people that are speaking. And I, and I look at this, this band that led us today. And, I, you know, when, when, when Tanner stepped in there this morning and just spoke that word about what's, what's this require? It requires less of us and more of him. 
and this is their heart, and they're opening their home to young adults, to young adults. And this is a different group than the remnant. This is, we're talking about, hey, if you're out of high school and you're, you know, you can be married or not married, show up there. Show up there. These, these young people, they're, they've discovered the mysteries of God. They've discovered Jesus. And the more they do that, the more wisdom they have. And so when Paul says, I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith, I can applaud so many in this body because I can concur. But it's all about knowing him better. I'm contending hard for you. In the book of James... I say this a lot when I speak a passage from James. James is one of those books, if you're, if you're in this room and you don't know where to start your Bible study, or if you're a new believer in Jesus, start with the book of James. The book of James is a book you could read every single day and gain some nugget of truth, some simple practical thing to put into practice. Here James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. To all without finding fault. See, I think sometimes people hesitate to ask something from God because they say, well, you know, I've messed up. I've made this mistake. I've gotten into trouble. I've done the wrong thing. I've failed. I've fallen. I've fallen short. Ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you without finding fault. He's not going to say, I'm going to withhold that from you because you've messed up. But he does say this, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all he does. And the thing about it is if, if there is doubt, say, Lord, okay, I, I have doubt. Help me to overcome my doubt. We have examples in Scripture where God blessed that. He blessed the honesty of that. So if that's part of the equation, acknowledge it, he'll hear your cry. And again... If you need wisdom, ask for it because he wants you to have it so that you might know him better, that you might know him better. So Solomon, this is in Chronicles, is the son of David, and he was established as king, and he was talking to the Lord about this new assignment. It says in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter uh, one. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, "Ask for whatever you want me to give you." So the Lord, the Lord tells him that, "Ask for whatever you want me to give you." And Solomon answered, "You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place." Now, Lord God, let your promises to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. It's a pretty amazing, pretty amazing. And what's awesome then, the conclusion of this, of God's God's word to him is, but I'm also going to give you the things you haven't asked for. I'll give you wealth and possessions and honor such as no king who is ever before you has, has had and none will have after you. Because you've asked for wisdom, because you've asked for wisdom, so we can see from Scripture that wisdom is one of those things He wants us to have. And again, from according to Paul, so that you might know Him better. The wisdom He give, gives you, the wisdom He gives you, maybe for things you have to do in life, but in the process of discovering what you have to do in life and how to do them, it proves. Proves him. How many, how many of you ever asked for wisdom to accomplish an assignment that you didn't have the answer for, and then you got the answer? 
And it could just be some earthly assignment. It may have nothing to do, may have nothing to do with anything spiritual or anything ministry related. But because you asked, and because you had that need and you asked him for it, he gave it to you. Doesn't that show you the goodness of God? That doesn't that show you the provision that God has for you, that you may know him better. Revelation, Paul's prayer was that they have wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. Proverbs 29, 18 is a very, very familiar passage around here. Where there is no revelation, people throw off restraint. Common version of it is where there is no vision, people perish. We know around here that we function, we, we have vision we have vision. We, we, visionary words are spoken all the time. Our word for the year, every year, it's a, it's, a, it's a word for us to look at, for us to study, for us to embrace, for us to dig into, because it, it, it will lead us, it will direct us. So where there's no re- revelation, where there's no vision, people perish. Remember Paul's prayer for a spirit of revelation that we might know him better. When we know him better, will understand the restraints and boundaries. People throw off restraints when they don't have vision, but we will understand the restraints and boundaries that he establishes for them that hem us in, that keep us safe, that keep us protected, that keep us on the path, that keep us from straying. There's value to revelation, to vision. With revelation, with, revelation, with vision, we live purposefully. We live with intention Without them, we die. And I don't mean physically. We just sort of wander through life. There's a lot of people just wandering through life without any direction, without any purpose, without any, any sort of sense of leading. Getting wisdom and revelation to know God and Jesus better then gives us direction on how to live every day. Live life every day in step with Him intentionally. So our word for this year, of course, is invite the stranger. And, of course, we, we know how that played out in the first four months of this, the, 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 the second, third, fourth, and fifth months of 2023. The railroad, the railroad people were here serving the communities. And we were inundated with strangers, inundated with strangers, and the railroad people themselves were strangers. And so the Lord opened doors for us to minister to a lot of people. And we, you all dove into it aggressively. And when, when there was help needed, you helped. And it was living with revelation that when the Lord speaks something to us, He means it. And He calls us to it. And I was over, over, over visiting some of, the, some of the crew over there this past week. And we got to talking and... And uh, I think uh, I, I, during the time that they were here, they saw this body. They saw how you all function. And they, they're, they're continually, at, they were, every time I'm over there, they're asking questions. How, how are people doing? And one of the particular questions that they asked uh, was, uh, have you had the grill out? Have you had the grill out at all? They were just amazed by the grill ministry because the grill, the grill ministry was doing something during, at some point here while, while they were here. And I don't remember now what that was. But they were asking about the grill ministry because they just thought that that was so, that was something they'd never seen before, that just you, you set up a grill and you serve food and you give it away. And they're like, yeah, that's what we get to do. So they asked us the grill ministry. I was like, yeah, actually, uh, the grill ministry just two weeks ago was serving the Hispanic community in, our, in Salem, something we've done for several years. And the grill ministry will be up this weekend for August Overflow, so I told them about that. And the grill ministry will be up when we're having our car show at the end of August. And, and they're like, do you guys ever stop? So we're not called to stop. We have a vision. We live with vision. We live with revelation. We live with revelation. And when, and when, we, and when, we, when we obey these instructions, we get to know God better because we get to see His hand in the way it all plays out in ways that we had never knew from the, when we said we're going to do this. And every time we do it, it's something's different. Somebody else 
gets to receive Jesus. Somebody else gets to receive the love of Jesus through us. We get to know him better. One, one of the uh, ladies that was over there said, because uh, she had heard about this the, the, week, the, the, the week they were leaving. We already had another event planned that next weekend, and we had told them about that. And it was a, it was a Mennonite gathering that they were using the entire building. And they asked, uh, she asked, she said, how'd that go? And I showed her this picture of our fellowship hall. And I have never seen our fellowship hall. If you haven't seen the picture, I think Pastor Mark posted it on our Facebook page. The, the fellowship hall was just packed, and she looked at it, and she's like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Because we have vision, and we know, we know our assignment. We know what we're called to do. And in the middle of it, we get to know God better. In the middle of it, we get to see His provision and how He provides. And So when Paul, or when the writer of Proverbs said, where there's no revelation, people throw off restraints, we value vision. We value revelation because it helps set the parameters for what our assignments are. And we walk those out. And we don't know where, we don't know every detail. We don't know every place it's leading. We don't know what all is going to come out of it. We're, we're always ex- expectant that there'll be something else. There'll be something else. In Galatians, here's Paul again in chapter 1. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. See, and I'll, I'll pause there, because right there is how we function. Every message you heard from Pastor Shane, Pastor Mark, Pastor Ben from Bobby came from revelation. It wasn't any man that gave them those words. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And so the fact that he gives us revelation, and again, tie this to Paul's, to Paul's word, why he wants us to have revelation, that we might know him better. So every one of those messages, every one of those messages was designed that you might know him better. Because it came from revelation. You have heard my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my own people, was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, but when God, get that, but when God... I hope every one of us in this room has a but when God moment, and maybe more than one, multiple more than God moments because they happen all the time. But if you've never had a but when God moment, maybe today's your day. But when God who set me apart from my mother's room, now remember we're talking about a person who persecuted Christians, the person who he was about to become set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Was pleased to reveal his son in me. If you're sitting in this room today, do you understand that he is pleased to reveal Jesus to you? He's pleased to reveal Jesus to you and what that means for your life, what that means for your eternity. But I don't want to just concentrate on eternity, but for your life. Because the reality is, He'll change your life. He'll change the way your life looks. He'll change the way you live your life. That's what He did for Paul. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. I later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They had only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith 
he once tried to destroy. And here was their response. They praised God because of me. Revelation, revelation. Paul spoke revelations. These letters we read in the They're all about revelation that the Lord gave to his people, and they're for us. They're for us. That we might know him better. They praised God because of me. He wasn't saying, I'm all that. He saw the response of his message that led to someone to praise Jesus. And he was just acknowledging the truth of that. So as I was putting this together, I kept coming across these verses that, that would just say that we might know, that we might know this, that we might know that, that we might know, that we might know, and I almost called the message just that. And if you, if you just look at the Gospels, everything about them is to just mold us and shape us and to tweak us and to refine us into the likeness of Jesus. So in Ephesians 1, we read this, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. These are, this is a familiar passage. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. That same power, get that. Do you understand He wants to know you in a way that gives you the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. He wants you to be able to function with that kind of power. Not for you to say, oh, I got the power of Jesus. No, that Jesus might live your life that way. Because when we live our lives that way, people will notice that you have something that is not natural. You have something that's not of human origin. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the, Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in that one to come. And Romans, familiar passage, and I had to throw it in there because it's, and it's one I share a lot, but it's important for us to... to to see it in this context, that I might know him better, that I might know him better, that you might know him better. And he's basically saying this, again, you know this one, you could all probably recite it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test. So then you will know then you will know, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it's, it's one, of those, one of those passages that, boy, it's the age-old question, especially if you're, you're, you're 18 years old and moving into adulthood. But I think this is a question that we can ask over and over again. What's God's will for me? What's God's will for me? What's God's will for me? How many of you have asked that question? Don't raise your hands. Hopefully all of you asked that question. What's God's will for me? Well, the answer is right here. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but transform by the renewing of your mind. Keep your mind renewed. Keep renewing your mind. Keep renewing your mind. Be, be proactive. Be proactive in renewing your mind. Don't just assume your mind's being renewed. Be proactive in doing it. Why? Because then you'll know. You'll be able to test, not only know, but you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And then he tells us his will is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. Then you will know that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. There's a lot of people in this life guess. We don't have to guess. We have a Savior who loves to lead His people, who loves to show us the way. And that's in everything. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting uh, in this discussion we had in, in, uh, in uh, Men of Valor and then, and then our camping trip, uh, one, of the things that, um, one of the things that one of our guys talked about was how he, you know, he, he's always striving for this balance, this balance in his life, this balance in his life. And he shared this in Men of Valor, and I said, forget the balance. Dive all in with Jesus and get a lot of balance. Seriously. And that may sound like a, an extreme, extreme, ridiculous statement, but go out of balance. Dive in with Jesus. Because when you dive in with Jesus, everything will be just as it's supposed to be. He will sort out all the, all the things that you're trying to balance because when we're trying to balance life, we're trying to segment it. Well, I've got my church life, and I've got my home life, and I've got my school life, and I've got my recreation life, and I've got this life. 
Put Jesus at the head of all of it, and it'll all be one big ball of adventure. Don't seek to balance out your life between church and family and dive in with Jesus and he'll direct all of it. I said over and over and over again that our remnant group, our, young, our remnant group is one of the biggest groups that could, could make all kinds of reasons why they don't have time for, for ministry because they have, a lot of them have young children and jobs and house, houses and all that. But when they show up for stuff in droves, I'm like, the future is good. The future is good. They get it. They get it because they're all in. They're not striving for this balance. They, and, and I'm not saying that, that they don't struggle with, with trying to maneuver a lot of that stuff, but they do it. They do it. Again, in, in the book of Ephesians, and this passage is very familiar to us, and you'll see why when we get there if, if you don't know it already. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Here's Paul praying again. And if you haven't seen the theme here, that a lot of this revelation, a lot of this teaching comes from prayer. A lot of the things he's writing about stems from a deep, deep life of, of impassioned prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Jesus. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may know, that you may know, that you may know this love, that you may know this love, that you may know this love. Everybody in this world is looking for love. Everybody in the world is looking for acceptance and looking to find out. But until you know the love of Jesus, you'll never know it. Until we grasp it, he was so fervent about wanting everybody to grasp this love of Jesus, how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it is, because it's going to establish you. It's going to establish you in truth. It's going to establish you that when you know you're accepted and you know you're one of his kids, one of his children, that you can accomplish whatever assignment he gives you because he'll make every provision for that to happen, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That's Paul's Hearts cry here. It's his heart's cry here. Then Philippians. This is Paul's own prayer about himself. His own cry about himself. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. But then there's this part that we don't like so much. Participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward it, what is ahead? And I ask you this right now. What is it, what is it you have to forget about your past? What, if you have, what is it you have to forget about what's behind? And what are you moving toward? What are you moving toward? Because there's, there's lesson here in both, both things. Letting go of something and then working towards something for the future. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The only way, only way we're going to do that is that we might know Him, that we might know Him, know Him, know how to get there. You don't have to know every detail about how to get there, but take a step, take a step. Take a step toward knowing Him better today, whatever that means for you. I don't know where everybody is. I don't know what, how everybody's answering those questions, but take a step. Now, as uh, I was thinking on this weekend camping trip. We, we've, had, we've had canoe trips around here for quite a few years. There were times we had a lots and lots of people. Uh, we had 16, 16 of us went Friday and Saturday. Some of, a couple of them are still there. And, um, and the weather was generally crappy. There was a lot of water like coming from the sky type. And uh, 
But it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't stop anything. We still built our fire and cooked our dinner and cooked our, cooked our breakfast. And, and, uh, but I was thinking about that in light of this message. I was like, okay, Lord, so how do, how do I know you better? How do I know you better just from this weekend? And um, so I'm laying in my very damp tent Friday night, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't have a cot or anything, you know, I'm just, I'm at 64, I'm still sleeping on the ground, and uh, and I, you know, I usually can fall asleep pretty quickly, usually when I'm camping, it takes me a little longer than normal, so I wasn't surprised that I wasn't sleeping right away, but I was very tired, and uh, and I'm laying there, and my sleeping bag is slightly damp at that point. So I really didn't want to wrap up in it. But I kept kind of getting that thought that I should wrap up in my sleeping bag because it's still a sleeping bag and it's still got good insulation in it. It's just wet a little bit. But I I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So I didn't. And so I was awake. And it wasn't till a little while later that I realized that was an instruction from God. Wrap up in your sleeping bag. But I didn't want to be uncomfortable, but I was already uncomfortable because I wasn't sleeping and I was getting a little chilly. So the last thing when you're chilly is you don't want to put on a, you know, wrap up in a damp sling bag, but yet. But I finally did it. And I don't think it was very long before I just went off to sleep. And when I woke up, I was like, sorry, Lord, you're still teaching me that even in the simple things of life, even in the simple things of life, and there were moments when I was lying there, still without the sleeping bag, that I felt His presence so real. And I, I remember at one point just even smiling, and there's nobody in the, you know, there's nobody there, but I was just smiling just at the joy of how good our God is, even though I wasn't completely comfortable. So then, we're, we're, we, took, uh, <laughs> we took the 10-mile trip, 10-mile uh, kayaking trip. Uh, the water was up, so when we heard, you know, we asked when we got there, said, which, how, long is it, how long is the 10-mile trip going to take? And the lady said, two and a half hours. She lied, but... Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we said, well, of course we're going to do the 10-mile trip. I think Isaac Ricketts even said, of course we're going to do the 10-mile trip. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, so we get out in the water, and, and, and the sun's out, and we're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. And it was. And then we got this downpour, <laughs> this, like, downpour. Now, it wasn't really cold out, so it wasn't, like, terribly uncomfortable, but it was a downpour. Well, you know, a downpour to me is like, all right, we're going, we're just going faster, 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 keep warm, keep warm. And, uh, and I hadn't planned on this, this wasn't my goal in any way, but I ended up being the first one in. Now, understand here, I was the old guy. I was the old guy out there. Now, I am a little, a little bit competitive, but that wasn't, that wasn't any, there wasn't anything about that in my mind, that I'm going to be the first one in and say, I'm the first one in, but here I am saying I'm the first one in. But that wasn't my goal. No, I just, you know, when the rain came, I was like, I, the faster I move, I'm going to stay warm. I'm going to, you know, so I ended up being the first one in. And when I got in there, and I'm dragging my canoe up there, dragging, putting put my stuff away, and, and I looked and I saw one of our young people standing there. And I'm like... Did somebody get hurt? Did something happen? No, several of them quit. <laughs> they quit. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> They're on this side. <laughs> 
I'm just picking on them because I can and I have the microphone for the, for the first time in eight weeks. Now, I think every one of us came away from our gathering together. Uh, there's always just something about when you do something together that just establishes that group of people for what you got to do together. And we'll, all, we'll remember it. We'll remember it. We'll remember the laughs. We'll remember the prayers. We'll remember quitters. We'll re- <laughs> One of them might have had a birthday. But I was always reminded, and I told my class about this this morning, I was reminded, because we've had canoe trips and camping trips for many, many years, and I was always sitting back at some of those gatherings and just watching what's going on when we're together. And what always inevitably happens is someone's having a conversation with somebody where there's a connection being made and that, that, that has kingdom values, that has kingdom purposes. And, and I saw that. I saw conversations. There were some people there that, uh, a couple that don't go to church here that, that came, that, uh, that was just, uh, that met, people met one another that had, had not known each other. And, and that's all purposeful. It's all purposeful so that each one can see how the Lord Cause that to happen, that they might know him better, that, not, that, might, that we might know how when we follow Jesus, there's not random things in life, that we live life with a directed path, that things that even seem random are orchestrated by him. Do you know him? First of all, do you know him at all today? And I know most of you do because I know most of you in this room. But do you know him? In what ways are you getting to know him better? I asked Connie on the way down here, how are you getting to know Jesus better? And she shared several things about things she already knew about him, but that he's enlarging for her. So it may not always be some new truth. It just may be some new depth of a truth. It may not always be some new assignment, but maybe some advancement of an assignment. Maybe he's teaching me something about studying his word that is taking me deeper in the study of that word. Maybe he's teaching me something about serving other people that I need to take another step with it. Maybe he's teaching me that I need to trust him more than when he gives me a sign when I need to get on it more quickly than I do. My encouragement is that you write some things down this week. How is the Lord molding and shaping me? In what ways am I fighting Him to be molded into His likeness? I asked this question to myself as I was wrapping up this message. It's okay, Lord, so you want us to have revelation and wisdom so that we might know you better. And so why do you want us why do you want us to know you better? So okay, I already said it so we have more wisdom, more revelation. Why is that? 
because there's a world out there. There's a lot of lost people out there. That this isn't just for us to have knowledge and revelation and understanding so that we have this greater, deeper relationship with Jesus. That's part of it for sure. But it's not just for us to contain it within ourselves. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you guys remember uh, sometime this year I gave a message about, uh, uh, I don't even remember what I called it, but it had to do with looking for Jesus' return in the sky, looking at the clouds. I don't remember what the title was, but and boy, and I, and I asked myself, well, boy, why don't I do that more often? Why am I not expecting Jesus' return like any time now? And I, and I asked myself, and I, and I told you this, I, I was praying about, Lord, what, how, what does that look like? What's that look like to be expecting you to return? Is it today? Am I looking at the clouds for Jesus to come today? And I find myself ever since that message, and more and more so in the, in the last several weeks, just, uh, just it seems like verses jumping off the page about, about what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. And, and you know, and, and it, what it did for me is give me this urgency, this greater sense of urgency that I'm going to throw out to you guys that one of the ways, one of the reasons he wants us to know him better is so that we can know how to share his love and share his, his grace and share his provision with a whole lot of people that don't have any clue. For those dead people that are walking around without any sense of purpose or direction, because they are all around us. And so don't think for a minute that this, this whole assignment of getting to know Him better is just for you and for you to, for you to just kind of hold on to you for yourself. It is totally for us to turn around and give it away. Let's stand. I'm reminded of what we heard during worship today. I need your surrender. I need your surrender. That's not me saying I need your surrender. I don't, I don't need that. But when I heard it and knew what I was going to be speaking about, it just connected just connected. And we, had, we were just in the middle of singing that song about an anchor. If you're in this room today and you have some sense that life is getting away from you or that things are out of control or there's nothing firm to, 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 to ground you, I want to I suggest to you that Jesus is the only way, that that surrender that we heard about is for all of us, but it may specifically be for, for if, if, you're, if you're wondering how you're going to get through whatever the next thing is or the next whatever trial you're facing or whatever struggle it is. And I'm not, I'm not going to promise you that all your troubles are going to go away as you surrender. But I will promise you that you'll have an advocate in, in Jesus to see you through whatever it is. You'll have an advocate who will give you wisdom and revelation and understanding and knowledge about how to maneuver through the trial, through the challenge, through the difficulty. we're going to pray. If you need prayer, if that's you, if you're the one that needs to surrender, you, you don't need to talk to any of us. You can come down here. You can kneel at your seat. You can... The means by which you do this is not prescribed. It, it's what... However you feel led to, to proceed, but don't walk out of here today. Don't walk out of here today without taking a step. And this isn't limited to, to ones that don't know Jesus. This is, 
Hey, if you just need a need to take a step. Take the step. If you want people to pray with you, there's plenty here who will do it. Not just the prayer team. The prayer team's awesome. But there's other people who will pray with you too, just right around you. If that's what you need, just ask. But again, if your desire is to, I just want to pray alone, that is absolutely okay. He will meet you there. He will reveal himself there. Father, I pray right now for this body. Lord, your your goodness to us is impossible to fully describe. And I'm praying for those that, that, need, that you, you know you want them to take a step today. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it's all about. But you do. You know all about it. And you love each one so passionately that you want them to know you. And you have a plan for them and a purpose for them. And even, even some of the challenges and difficulties, there's purpose. So all around this room, I just pray for your hand. Just as I prayed earlier, your hand will be so, so gently yet somehow firmly placed on each one. And I know you can do both things at the same time. But you can touch us in a way that doesn't hurt us, but yet reassures us that you've got a firm grip. And you're not going to let go of us. So I pray as the worship team leads us for a little bit here that you will just minister all around this room. For those that are going out of here with an assignment to write some things down, to be intentional about asking you some questions, I pray that they'll do so and they will not put it off. Pray your blessing. Pray your blessing on this gathering. As we go out of here, let us go out of here equipped, equipped to shine light, equipped to share, equipped to open our mouth, to speak Jesus. I pray this all for your glory, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer, if you want to step out, please do.